This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Vanessa on, and our topic today is how to run a global sourcing business from South Africa. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get into it with Vanessa. So Vanessa, would you do us a favor, uh, both introduce yourself and and your company, because you have a a training company that that I'd love to talk a little bit about as well. So introductions. Fantastic. Good. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, William. It's a a real honor. I'm I'm a big fan of the podcast, and it's Great to actually be in the the guest uh, hot seat uh, today, which is great. Um, So as you said, my name is Vanessa Roth. Uh, I'm based in South Africa. And I think the title of the podcast is great. And it's, you know, I think it's more should be how you can run a sourcing business from anywhere in the world. I know that we've thrown in South Africa there because obviously I'm coming with the South African flavor. But for me, I just think it's, I want to share with the world and, how easy it is to work globally in the sourcing space and how anyone can do it. Um, that, that for me is the most important thing. So my company is called The Talent Hunter. Um, it was We were three years old on the 1st of April. When I say we, I mean the royal we, because it's pretty much just myself. I work as a solopreneur. Um, and um, I do 50% talent sourcing training, which I love. Um, uh, my training goes back to being a qualified teacher. And the rest of the time, the other 50%, I actually work as a global talent sourcer myself. So I kind of got my finger in a lot of pies. I do a lot of speaking, a lot of keynoting, um, and I love being on podcasts. So thanks again for having me. Absolutely. And I love that you you got your fingers in the dirt. Sometimes with training, um, you, you get so deep into the training that you kind of lose over years, you lose sight of like what's going on and you, because you're practicing at the same time you're training, you, 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 you don't run that risk. Yeah. So I love love that model. I I just love that. So let's, let's start off with, you know, this can be done from anywhere. Let's, let's start off with the, you know, what, what, what are the barriers that we thought were there that we think are there And how do we overcome those barriers? I think that the barriers that we thought were there, let's, I mean, let's face it, pre-COVID, because it was COVID that helped me to get my business really global and international, was that a recruiter was as good as their network. And and I don't think that that's far wrong, but a network can be global. Um, And I think that that from a sourcing perspective um, means that people just need to work harder to find people in new territories and new geographies. Um, It does help if you are recruiting locally in one geography all the time. You do grow a network. You do get to know people. You get referred a lot more. But it's actually not a necessity. Um, You know, for me, if we look at the training side, is that I'm really proud to be part of a team of, um, you know, global uh, sources. And that was really important. So for me, what I had to change my mindset of is that, you know, this is me. This is me in South Africa. And now I think this is me in a global sourcing world. I mean, today I think I've had phone calls between um, Hungary, Italy, UK, already had a couple to the States. 
And, and this is just like my, my average day. The only thing I didn't do was start early this morning to Australia or New Zealand. Um, and this for me is the beauty of it because you can do anything from anywhere as long as you know the right people from a global perspective. You think the COVID uh, and the pandemic helped us change our mind around global talent? I mean, we're global globalization, you know, well, it turns out it was a thing before the pandemic, but there was still kind of a, I think a need, especially in recruiting and sourcing for people to be in a room, and I, you know, maybe it was a crutch uh, on some, on, in some regards that we, you know, we had to see people working uh, and then all of a sudden now that, 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 that crutch got taken away from us, <laughs> but just this idea, cause I want to, I want to ask you about the great resignation as well. And, you know, people moving and have you, you've already kind of touched on it, looking in different places for talent. So do you yeah. think that these kind of the, you know, how did this play out in your mind? So, so for me, COVID definitely accelerated, you know, the, the idea that we could be sourcing globally and looking for people globally. We just needed to, you know, learn the basics of, of how to do this. So for me, I just, just the, what I've seen over the last two years that it doesn't matter where people are positioned and, and especially the startup kind of vibe and the tech space, those companies have realized that they can hire people anywhere in the world. And that for me is just amazing. Um, we can see a rise of third party agencies that are now saying, stepping up and saying, let us be your middleman. Let the people stay in their own countries. We'll sort out taxes. We'll make sure that everything's above board. Um, and then people can work from anywhere in the world. So I think the idea of having to see people work has gone out of the, the window. Definitely, you know, stronger in, in some industries as opposed to others. But I think the others are actually going to follow suit. And it's a really exciting time for people who have rare skills and people who have a lot to give because you've now got this amazing opportunity to work for companies anywhere. And for me, I mean, one of the nicest things is, is that I live in a country that's a third world country, doesn't have a strong exchange rate, and um, I can earn foreign, uh, foreign currency. And that is just such a beautiful position to be in because I get to live in the most wonderful country in, in the world, the most beautiful, um, and I get to work and meet people all over the world. I love that. So what is global talent when you're, you know, both in training but, and, and in practicing? What's global talent want? So for me, global talent, I think, is definitely, I mean, I deal a lot in the tech space. So, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the developers are sitting up and saying, right, we can do this. We don't need to be going into an office today. We can, um, we can go and work for any company that we want in the world. We just need to make sure that our certifications are up to date and our skills are sharp. So for me, the global talent that I deal with is, is quite happy working from home, quite happy you know, working in a, in a global community. Um, unfortunately, again, it's not possible for everyone, but I see a massive movement now, especially you know, what are we in, into COVID, like two and a bit years when companies are trying to say, oh, just come back to the office one day a week or twice a week. And people are turning around and saying, actually, no, I refuse to do that. And um, they're not going back into the office and they're looking for remote opportunities. I mean, I know quite a few people who have relocated. So, you know, what happens now? They, they don't live where they used to because they haven't had to go into the office for over two years. Now what? Yeah. And it's, it's now the air is out of the bottle. Why would they? And, and again, some people thrive in a, in a, in a, in an office environment and some people yep. thrive in a remote environment. So it's, it's kind of finally like, where do you thrive? Whether you're a software developer or UX or UI developer or whatever the, the bit is, 
It's where do you thrive? And and I think that what's interesting is for me, it's companies now looking at you don't have to thrive locally. And I think you, you know, as you touched on it uh, earlier, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we would build networks in Cape Town or we'd build networks in, in Johannesburg. And, and it's like, this is the world, the four, wall, four walls of Cape Town. This is, yep. this is our talent universe. And, and because there was this perceived notion or perceived idea that we had to see them, they had to come into the office and that's where they would thrive. And I think yep. companies are now wrestling and talent's also wrestling with the same thing. It's where do I thrive? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent, and th- and that's just the beauty of it, isn't it? Is that it's just made our whole industry just so much more interesting, and I think that that's that's amazing. And another big thing it's done is that you know companies need to sit up and realize that it's actually all about the candidate and where they want to work, and we've got to change our perceptions and the way that we treat people. And they are people. They're not just building blocks that we have in this big empire that we're trying to build. You know, right. we've got to change the way we deal with people and talk talk to people. And a lot of companies are battling with that. So what tools, you know, what's the toolkit from anyone that wants to build a kind of a sourcing business from anywhere in the world? What are the, what are the essentials that you <laughs> Google? <laughs> yeah, okay. no, yeah. Exactly. Google's yeah. always your friend as a sourcer. Google, it turns out, turns out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Boolean, Google. Um, but what are exactly. your, what's, what's the tool pack? Like if you could give people kind of a starter kit, what would that be? So it's a very interesting question because, I mean, if I look back to, to my story, I had gone, I had attended one source con in Europe in Budapest in 2018. I then in 2019 presented under the keynote at SourceCon Seattle. And that was my only two instances of international exposure. Then COVID hit. So when COVID hit, I had quite a few international conferences booked. They were obviously all canceled. And only now, I mean, I'm off to the UK in June, Australia in July to go and present at events that I'm getting back out there and meeting people in person. So literally for two years, my tools have been the whole internet. Because it's all about being building a brand and it's been staying top of mind and, you know, having an opinion, stating your opinion on, on social platforms. Um, and that's where I think a lot of people are too nervous to almost get started. But, you know, it was great that I had met a couple of people. I'd met a core group of the global sourcing community up front, but it was just about nurturing those relationships and, you know, dropping people a message and say, hey, I'm, I'm stuck at home and during a pandemic, South Africa's in level five. Um, I believe your country is the same. Should we get together for a virtual one or cup of coffee or let's just keep conversations going? And that for me worked a treat during a global pandemic. And it's I something I actually continue doing now. <laughs> right, right. It's it's interesting because what worked early in the pandemic, you, you know, we reached out to a lot of people, checking in on them and you know, learning what they were going through, et cetera. Uh, now everyone's busy. It's like, well, we, we still need to kind of do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we still need empathy. We still need those things. Um, process. Yeah. What's, what's, you know, you, you mentioned time zones, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, if we can set up our business anywhere in the world, you, you, you know, you're, you're sourcing business from anywhere in the world. Now you're, you're, you are navigating time zones on some level. Um, yeah. So what's yeah. that process and <laughs> kind of communication layer? Because, you know, communications are it's, super you know, important to what we do. So <laughs> what's that look like? You know, this, this is the one thing that I actually struggle with the most. I'm not even going to try and sugarcoat it. I mean, I can often be up delivering training at Hoppers 4 in the morning to New Zealand and Australia. 
it's just, I just make sure that from a time zone perspective, I don't book trading late to, you know, North America on the same day. So I'll, I'll try and shift it around. So I have early, early weeks and late weeks, depending on my training, but I think it's really something you've got to be, be cautious of because it comes down to your work-life balance. And, you know, what I try and do is I, thankfully I'm, I'm normally booked up, you know, quite a few weeks in advance of my training. So if I can see, I've got a lot of late evenings, um, what I do is I block up my morning so I can spend my mornings, you know, going for a run or going for a walk or getting some admin done or some shopping or, you know, time zones are a pain, but you've nothing you can do about them and you just got to work around them, you know. And for me, the big thing is, you know, bless his cotton socks. I have a very understanding husband who's actually in the kitchen making supper at the moment because it's 20 past five and the family is going to want to eat soon. And I'm doing this podcast with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, all about teamwork and partnership with, with your partner. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course, uh, it's interesting that you said that because I think that that's the, the root of a lot of success is having just a network around of uh, people that are very supportive of, of you. And again, you're supportive of them too. It's, it's, mm. two -way, it's a two-way street. When you're working with candidates and clients, um, and, and, you know, you're kind of, you're helping both sides in some regards, uh, kind of navigate this and, and candidates can be anywhere in the world. You can be anywhere in the world. The client can be anywhere in the world. So like, yeah. okay, now, now we're navigating three different things. Yeah. Um, you know, on one level, what candidates want and, and what the employer wants, how do you, how do you navigate the kind of the differences? The similarities are easy, right? So if it's remote forever, okay, fantastic. Like we can all create, employer agrees, mm. candidate agrees, done. But it's the stuff that's, it's further apart. Maybe it's comp, you know, maybe it's something as yeah. simple as comp and it's, it's further apart. How do you, how do you, how do you negotiate that globally? You know, William, to be honest with you, the same way I'd negotiate anything if it was locally is be honest, open communication lines. Everyone puts their cards on the table up front. So we know what we're dealing with from the outset. And I don't think it's any different from when you take it globally. I mean, you, you kind of, when you do this a lot, you can anticipate what are the barriers going to be from a global perspective as you can when you, you know, working locally and just almost preempt them, have the discussions up front and just make sure that everyone's on the same page. I think it's the best way to do it. So you mentioned currency um, and yep. that's something that's really interesting to me on all three levels. So from a sourcing business perspective, the candidate's perspective and the employer's perspective, Mm. Um, you know, again, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, I have friends in Nigeria, right? So mm. if, 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 uh, you know, we could, we could pay them, you know, uh, in dollars, like what's, what's, what do you see from candidates? What do you see from companies, especially kind of, I'm thinking about kind of internally thinking about pay inequities. So, yeah. you know, like, like I don't want to drive more pay inequities. Uh, I, I have no interest yeah. in that uh, or having my hands bloody with that. But if, <laughs> if, if someone's in, you know, if they're in Lima, Peru and, and yeah. the exchange rate is you're paying them in dollars, you know, is, is significantly different than paying them in, I think it's peso. I can't remember what, what Peru's currency is called, but you, if you're paying them locally, like, what do you find 
is interesting and more compelling for all three parties. Like for you, what do you want to be paid in? For the candidates, what are you seeing that they want to be paid in? And from employers, what do they want to be paid in with a backdrop of how do we not get ourselves into more pay inequities and disparities? So, so it's a very interesting question. And, um, you know, for me, I, I'm going to answer it from my perspective. And that yeah. is, as far as I know, you pay tax in the country that you live. So you can't be sitting, I can't be sitting in South Africa and have a U.S. bank account and be paying, paid in the U.S. because then where am I paying taxes? I need to pay taxes in the country that I live. So for me, whatever you pay someone gets converted into the local currency anyway at the end of the day. So I train clients in the US, the UK, Australia, Germany, whatever it might be. By the time that money hits my bank account, it's, it, you know, the, the, the currency conversion has happened and I'm getting paid in rain. So it doesn't really matter as long as I'm being paid. But what it does allow me to do, and there's two sides to this, and, and this is where COVID really helped my business, is that I think a lot of people didn't mind where their trainer was based anymore. So everyone was learning online. It didn't matter. You know, I've, I've trained teams with people in Argentina, US, Spain, Portugal, and Korea, you know, all within one group. So it didn't, doesn't matter where your trainer is. The big thing that we need to um, get around here is that what is the trainer going to charge or what is or how much mm. on the candidate's perspective, how much does the candidate want? And for me, I think that that's, that's a, uh, the big thing because I know that I can provide a phenomenal sourcing training session and I can still come in under the market rate of other global sourcing trainers because when you convert it to RANDs, it converts to a lot more. And I think that that's what candidates realize is they know what they can learn in, uh, locally, they know what the, what the global markets are paying and they, they're pretty much looking for something in between that. I love it. Advice you'd give your younger self. So when you <laughs> <laughs> when you first started, this, <laughs> right? We've we've got at least at least two hours. So uh, you know, what would you go yeah. back? Magic wand. What would you go back and tell yourself? Okay, make sure you do this. Lay down this. Work with a lawyer to get this. You know, work with an account. Whatever the bit is. Like, what would you? What advice would you give yourself? You know, and I think that everything happens for reason in a life and in your life. And I don't think that you can go back and change time. I love what I do. I mean, this is like my third occupation. I'm also, I've been a scuba diving instructor. I've led tours through like Masai Mara in Kenya. I have been a school teacher in London. Like I've pretty much done a lot in, in my short life. You know, I'm only 21. So, you know, it's quite <laughs> impressive. But um, <laughs> no, William, to be honest with you, I just think that, the advice that I've followed is always be just be yourself, um, be good to people, be a good person, and remember that life's all about karma. And I think that at the right time, you've got to be well positioned to kind of take that leap of faith that you often need to in your career. So make sure that you know you have your money in your bank, you've got the support from your family, and if you know you can make it happen, stop hanging back, just do it. I love it. La last question is. Uh, for those that listen to the podcast and get inspired, where should they start? Where where are some of the building blocks of, okay, okay, if you're really thinking, if you're really inspired, which is one of the hopes, is that people listen to this and go, yeah, you know what, I can do that. If you can do it, I can do that. Um, what are some of the um, things that you would say, okay, make sure that you lay down, make sure you do these things? 
for me, it's all, it goes back to building your brand and, and give away as much as you can for free. And, and I still do that, you know, free advice. Um, like we met William presenting at, at, at HRTX, get involved in those events, you know, present and try and get that like thought leader, trusted advisor kind of status. Because once you have that, you can give back for free. And I just think that that's, that really does help to grow your brand. It makes you feel good. Um, and also people will start learning who you are. I, I think that that's the most important part about it. I mean, here you've, you, HRTX, I think it was 18 months, two years ago, invited an unknown from South Africa to be one of their presenters and no one had ever met me in person. And I just think that that's absolutely phenomenal. And if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. You've just got to kind of put your hand up and say, this is what I can offer. Are you interested? It's, it's interesting. And, and I appreciate that um, because there's so many great groups. SOSU does a wonderful job. SourceCon yes. and Erie do a yeah. wonderful job. There's just, there's great content and great opportunities for people everywhere all around the world. Mm. Yeah, we're just no, absolutely. A, a couple. Um, so so I'm, I'm part of the MC team for SOSU. I think I've presented at every SourceCon digital online. I'm hoping for an in-person event this year um, coming coming up. Uh, oh, and that'd be I, nice. I just think that, like, like, don't try and divide and conquer, you know, just don't get involved in politics, work with everyone, present oh, yeah. for everyone, and just just meet people and get out there, you know? I love it. You know, there's part of that that's vulnerable, maybe you're making yourself a little bit vulnerable, Yeah. because I true. think that's what holds some folks back from being, um, putting their opinions out there, is they feel like, yeah. well, I'm going to be criticized. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's okay. And you sometimes are. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I, I actually think that's a good thing that you open yourself up for criticism. It's like, well, you can learn something, you know, like you, yeah, you might not be yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Oftentimes you aren't right. So uh, it's actually a good thing. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for carving out time uh, for us and uh, the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Alrighty. Until next time. Thanks, everyone. Excellent. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.